Welcome to The Life Editor. This week, we're talking about physical and emotional clutter, how to earn money when you don't have a subscriber list, and the true meaning of fear. Let's go. I'm Sage Grayson, a former book editor turned life coach. I help ambitious career women edit their habits, routines, and mindsets to balance their happiness at work and home. I'm a life editor, and so are you. Today, I want to talk about deleting bad influences that are cluttering up your life. Have you ever watched the old TV show, Hoarders? It's about people who hold on to possessions, knickknacks, and even garbage forever completely filling up their houses with junk. Okay, so it's sensational reality TV, but I can't turn away from these train wrecks. The junk inside their homes is a reflection of the disorganization that's in their minds. Their inner hurt and despair is manifested in the obsessive disorder of hoarding. So you may not have a TV crew following you around or dozens of volunteers cleaning out your house, but I bet you have your own problem with clutter in your life. Take a quick look around your home. Do you see certain spaces that are magnets for disarray? Do messy areas reflect another kind of mess you're dealing with in your head? Here are five of the most common types of clutter and how they show up in physical and emotional ways in your life. Number one, fear clutter. The definition is clutter that controls you through fear. Physical fear clutter might be the business suits that you wore at an old job that you think you might need again if you fail at what you're doing now or the clothes in your closet that are two sizes too large, but you might need them if you regain the weight you lost. Emotional fear clutter are the beliefs about yourself and how you're going to fail eventually. I love my cupcake business, but when it fails, I can always go back to accounting. Number two, obligation clutter. The definition is clutter that you hold on to out of an obligation, real or imagined, to another person. So physical obligation clutter might be terrible Christmas sweaters from Aunt Mildred or your grandmother's wedding china that she wanted you to have but you think it's tacky. Emotional obligation clutter is staying at an unfulfilling job because the people are nice or someone recommended you for the position? Or how about staying with someone you don't love anymore because your mom likes him or her? Number three, security blanket clutter. The definition is clutter that you believe protects you like a security blanket or shield. Physical security blanket clutter are any clothes that you don't wear anymore, but they remind you of when your life was perfect. Or how about dozens of books you don't read, but at least books won't hurt you the way people do. Emotional security blanket clutter are friendships with people who protect you for your own good and want you to play small. Or deciding that you're not going to date anyone because it's not safe and familiar. Number four, invisible clutter. 
The definition is clutter that is so ingrained into your daily life that you don't even notice it anymore. Physical invisible clutter, I know that sounds a little weird, but physical invisible clutter are the piles of bills and papers on your kitchen table that you've never sorted through, or anything you bought that you planned to use, but instead it stayed unopened in its box for months or years. Emotional invisible clutter is the endless stream of negative self-talk going on in your head. You're such a loser. You messed up again. That's become such a part of you that you don't notice how negative you're being. Number five, pretending to be someone else clutter. The definition is clutter that doesn't represent the true you, but rather the ideal version of you that you or other people want you to be. Physical pretending to be someone else clutter could be high-heeled shoes when you prefer flats, or music, movies, or activities that everyone else likes, but you can't seem to make yourself enjoy, no matter how hard you try. Emotional pretending to be someone else clutter is acting like a caricature of something you're not. A dumb bimbo, a brainy nerd, a zen goddess, or feeling like you've lost what it means to be you. Those are five different types of physical and emotional clutter that may be lurking in your life. Although it's easier to clean up physical clutter, it's sure to return if you don't examine the underlying emotional clutter that caused it. What type of clutter do you notice in your life? And what action steps can you take to clean it up? This week, I'm reading The Referral of a Lifetime by Tim Templeton. I feel like I say this every week, but this really is one of my favorite books, and here's why. Many of my clients have their own businesses or are in the process of setting them up. When I'm on a call with a new client and she's not getting sales, the first thing I ask is how many subscribers she has on her list. And my heart breaks a little whenever I'm met with a blank stare and, what's a list? Uh, if you want to sell your products, you must nurture your prospective customers. And this means creating a fun and helpful freebie in exchange for their email addresses. This is called permission marketing. I'll give you this cool thing if you give me your email address. Once you have their email addresses, you can send weekly newsletters to keep them in the loop about your business news and upcoming products and services. But what if you don't have a list? Step one, create a freebie. Step two, link it to your email provider with an opt-in box. Step three is to send warm letters to the people who are most likely to buy from you now. The warm letter process is described in detail in the wonderful book, The Referral of a Lifetime. Seriously, get a copy. The book is actually a story about the quaint California coastal town of Rancho Benicia and the regulars who frequent the coffee cafe and bistro. All the folks are trying to run successful businesses, but they must tap into their unique personalities if they want to earn more money and nurture their customers. 
So over cups of lattes and cafe mochas, they learn how to set up a referral-based business plan with the help of a mysterious wise businessman named David Michael Highground. If this sounds like a super cheesy story, well, it is. But I love cheesy, and hearing this excellent business advice in a story form helps me retain it and implement it. The story goes on to describe the warm letter technique, which is the complete opposite of cold calling. Instead of hitting up people who have never heard of you and your business, you focus your energy on the people who are already warm to you. Then you send them individual letters or emails, connecting with them personally, telling them about your business, and giving them an irresistible offer. Sending warm letters to the folks who already know, like, and trust you will increase your chances of getting sales. When you don't have a subscriber list, but earning money is a top priority, send your warm letters first. In a few months, the people on your subscriber list will know, like, and trust you. That is, if you've been sending your weekly newsletter. I get 100% of my income from my subscriber list, so get to it and set yours up today. If you aren't getting sales in your business and you don't have a subscriber list, get yourself a copy of The Referral of a Lifetime. It's a delightful story and it will help give you renewed faith in your abilities to be of service to your customers. The easy edit for this week is to remind yourself of the true meaning of fear. It's oh so common for us to give into fear in our lives, worrying about the worst case scenarios, doubting our self-worth, and questioning our skills are all ways we let fear drag us down into mediocrity. Fear never goes away, but I've learned a great truth about fear that helps me keep things in perspective and keep moving forward. Here it is. Fear actually stands for false evidence appearing real. One more time. False evidence appearing real. What does that mean? Fear makes us see things that aren't there, things that aren't true, and things that prey on our insecurities. Let's say you fear failure because you failed in the past and it hurt or embarrassed you. So your fear makes you play small or settle for less than what you want. Yes, you might fail, and that can be scary. But what you think failure is, isn't the truth. If you fail at losing weight, that doesn't make you a bad person. If you launch a product that no one buys, that doesn't make you a bad business owner. These doubts and judgments that fear brings up are not the truth. False evidence appearing real. But we believe it and then give up on what we want most in our lives. Instead of taking your fear at face value, get curious and question what you're feeling. If you feel fearful about quitting your job and pursuing a completely new line of work, that doesn't mean you're being selfish or wasting your education, or being irresponsible. Odds are, those fears aren't your truth. They're the fears of someone else, or even society, that you're putting on yourself. Feel your fear. Examine what's underneath it, 
and see if there's something false about it. Can you come up with five reasons why that fear isn't true? This week, if you start letting fear slow you down, remind yourself that it really stands for false evidence appearing real. So go out there and live your truth. That's it for this episode of The Life Editor. I'm Sage Grayson, and you can always find me at sagegrayson.com. This week, delete your physical and emotional clutter, send warm letters to your most likely buyers, and stop believing those untrue fears. Please remember to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Since this is a new podcast, it's important for me to get reviews so that other people can find me and start editing their lives. And if you have a question or topic I should cover on the podcast, please send an email to sage at sagegrayson.com. What will you edit in your life this week? Until next time, life editor.